Because I have this bi-weekly rhythm with my counselor, my other relationships are healthier because I'm not showing up strictly as a consumer that I need them to be my verbal sounding board for. Right, I'm able to show up and I'm able to ask them questions. I'm able to engage with them. I'm able to invest in them. I'm able to listen effectively and not just think about all the things that I want or need to talk about. Meet consistently with a counselor. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, we're stepping into part two of a series on tactics for entrepreneurial sanity. And this whole series is really related to a principle that we talk about all the time within Path Growth. If you want to put your business in order, start by putting yourself in order. Because a disordered leader can't lead an ordered business. An insane leader can't lead a sane business. And a chaotic leader will never lead a calm business. And so really at the crux of what we're talking about in this episode and every episode in this series is just this idea that putting yourself in order is not the only thing you have to do to build a business that practices healthy growth, but it is the first. And it's within that that I really wanted to walk through some tactics as they relate to your sleep, your relationships, and your time that have made a massive impact in my life and in my leadership as a result. And so all of the tactics that we're walking through in this series are things that I've done, that I've practiced, and that have really helped me that I wanted to share with you. And this is the second part of the series. So we're going to be focusing on relationships and tactics for your relationships that will benefit you in every other area of your life, leadership, and business. But as we said in the first episode, I don't want you to listen to this looking through the lens of, I need to apply all of these right now. I want you to look for the kingpin tactic. Look for the one thing out of the five things I'm going to share with you that you would say, man, if I either did that with more intentionality or started doing that, it would probably make all of the other things easier or maybe even unnecessary. And so that's the lens that I want you to look through is what's the one thing that I could do that it would really amplify or make easier all of the other tactics that we talk about within this series. Now, in the first section, we talked about sleep. Today, we're going to be talking about relationships. And then on the next episode, we're going to be talking about your time. And I want to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that these episodes come straight to your feed whenever the team puts them together and releases them. So today we're talking about your relationships, and this is absolutely crucial to you as a person, but I would also argue that it's absolutely crucial for your business. One of the things that we teach in our content on the seven fundamental needs for life and business is that one of the fundamental, absolute, essential human needs is your need for human connection. Listen, this is not optional. You as a human being have a need to connect at a real, deep, lasting, intimate way. You as a human being have a need, a fundamental, foundational, core human need to connect with other people. And beyond that, I will tell you that I just have this belief that people are kind of the point. 
right? We've been given the command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what Jesus said the greatest command was. But then here's what he also said. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think just the idea of love your neighbor as yourself is one that we too often take for granted. But I think another thing that I totally breezed over whenever Jesus talks about these two great commandments is he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, and the second is like it. So what he's saying there is that loving people is like loving God. And the way that you love and treat and interact and engage with other human beings says everything that we need to know about your faith and the creator that you worship. And so it's looking through that lens that I would say, man, this is pretty important. And so therefore, it would be wise for us to look at tactics for us to stay relationally sane and relationally healthy. But let's also think about one more reason. People understand that you become what you follow, okay? I mean, I I don't think anyone would really disagree with this. And it's kind of one of those things, whether we would all consciously say this, I think we all get it. Like you become more like what you follow. That just makes sense, right? And, And so the people on your team know this, okay? The people in your business that you are responsible for leading, they know I am becoming more like the person that I am following. So who are they more likely to follow? The person that is isolated, that is disconnected from their family, that doesn't have any lasting relationships, that doesn't really have much fun outside of work? I mean, are they going to follow that person? Probably not. Why? Because they don't want to be that person. And so what would it look like for you to become someone that people on your team admire relationally? Because... If they admire you relationally, they're way more likely to follow you. And so all of these tactics are focused on you becoming someone that is able to create and sustain and maintain and cultivate lasting, meaningful, real relationships. That you are a healthy person when it comes to people. Okay, so let's focus on number one. Establish relational rhythms. Here's the thing. Lasting and meaningful relationship often isn't convenient. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me on this, right? It can be really time-consuming. It's not something that's extremely efficient. And if you're leaving time for your friends or for your spouse or your family for when it's convenient, then... I don't really feel great about your ability to have any sense of consistency and therefore anything to show for the relational investments that you're making. One of the principles we talk about in a wide variety of arenas on this podcast is the principle that consistency compounds. And so I don't want you to focus on making a couple of occasional big deposits into your relational bank accounts for the people that matter most. I want you to focus on making consistent daily, weekly, and monthly deposits into the lives of the people that matter most. And the way that we ensure that is we establish relational rhythms. 
And so this has taken many manifestations in my life. And I will tell you that without a shadow of a doubt, my relational rhythms are probably going to look a lot different than your relational rhythms, especially if you're someone that is married and has kids, which I know many of you do. But what I will also tell you is that I get to spend time with a lot of leaders that are married and have kids. And what I will tell you is that without a shadow of a doubt, this rings true. The ones that are married and have kids and are most healthy are the people that have relational rhythms and that have done the work to create them. And don't miss this. It is work but it will create a lasting and meaningful effect. And so for me, this looks like a group of men that I'm a part of that every single Thursday night we get together and sometimes we make dinner, sometimes we just hang out, sometimes we go for a hike or something. Uh, we went on an art walk in Scottsdale the other night that was just absolutely awesome and I, I felt like I became more cultured than I've ever become in my entire life. But it's such a good group of guys that is really committed to any time we're in town, we're gonna show up on Thursday night and we're really going to invest in each other and we're going to talk about things that are real. And together we've kind of decided, okay, we're going to talk about things that are real and we're going to open the Bible occasionally and we're going to do prayer requests at the end of the night and we're going to share a meal and we're going to have eye contact and we're going to put away our phones. And it's such a good, life-giving, laughter-filled evening every single Thursday. And I will tell you that makes me better at work Monday through Friday. Because we're doing that on Thursday night, because I have that to look forward to, because I'm re-energized, reaffirmed, because I have people that are in my corner, because that's happening on a weekly basis, it's just so healthy for me to have that and to know that I can count on that. And then the other thing is that every Wednesday night, Aspen, who is uh, the girl that I'm dating right now, that might be news to some of you on the podcast. I hope you get to meet her one day because she's absolutely amazing. We've kind of set aside Wednesday as, okay, Wednesday, we can go for a hike on some Wednesdays. We can go to the gym on some Wednesdays. We can go out to dinner on some Wednesdays. But the last Wednesday, we're gonna make sure we have an eye-to-eye -eye conversation about things that are real related to us. And we just say that every last Wednesday, it's not that we have to wait till the last Wednesday to talk about that, but we said we wanna make sure we've got a rhythm where we are talking about that on a consistent basis. And so that occurs on the last Wednesday of every single month. And we make sure that that's guarded, that it's something that we're committed to. And you may be someone that says, well, that just sounds a little bit hokey and over-intentional. And, and here's the deal. I've just decided I would way rather fail being over-intentional than under-intentional. And so, yes, with regard to my relationships that matter most, I'm going to work on being over-intentional because there are things that I'm really invested in stewarding and cultivating and investing in well. And so I tell you all this to tell you, you should have some relational rhythms. You should have some things that you do consistently and regularly. Here's another thing that kind of applies to this topic as well that I've really focused on is I go to church every Sunday and in some ways that's a relational rhythm if you make it that, right? If you're just going in, not talking to anyone and then leaving, then it probably isn't a relational rhythm. But here's what I've found is really helpful. Go to church every Sunday, period. Like if you're in town, go to church. Go to the same service, right? So don't switch between the nine and the 11 or whatever. Go to the same service every Sunday. Sit in the same spot every Sunday. And then here's the real difference maker that I wish someone would have told me before. Get there early 
Like truly, Aspen and I get there and even some of our other friends do this too. We get there 10 minutes early and we say, okay, we're gonna be there at 8.50, right? Because if you get there early, you're way more likely to meet people and you're way more likely to get connected to people and you, you have more opportunity to reach out to the person that sits down next to you and hear a little bit about them and welcome them, right? And you can show up as a contributor and not just a consumer. So, so get there early and then leave late. So after the service is over, literally everyone gets up and we've just kind of grown in the habit of like, we stay seated and we just hang around. And what's so cool is there's this whole group of friends that sits in the same area every single week that just literally stays. It's like the service ends and it's like our time has not ended. And there's been times where I, I will sit around and, and have conversations with people upwards of an hour afterwards. And that's just so good. And so that would be a recommendation that I wish someone would have told me earlier that that's what you should do at church. Because man, I've met so many people and I've had so many great conversations and I've created friendships out of that time. And so, and so be consistent, go to the same service, sit in the same spot, get there early, leave late. And if you're married, I would tell you, do that with your spouse and get them on board with like, okay, we're showing up not just as consumers of this place, we're gonna show up as contributors and we're gonna be proactive about meeting people and engaging with people. But what we're talking about here is establishing relational rhythms. Make sure that you've got weekly, monthly, maybe even daily habits that will keep you engaged with the people that matter most. One more thing on this before we move on. One of the things that I've actually been doing since college is in every season, I kind of think about, okay, well, the people that matter most, who is that for me right now? Because if I say everyone, because everyone of course matters, but if I say everyone, then no one's going to experience the value and impact of my consistency. And so who are the people in my life for this season that I would say, man, these are the friendships, these are the people that I'm really going to sacrifice other things to invest in these relationships, that I'm committed to them. And I mean, honestly, like think about it and write down some names because you need to clarify those people and then create rhythms for those relationships, establish relational rhythms. Okay, let's go to number two meet consistently with a counselor. I've shared on this podcast before that at different stages of my life, I do this at different frequencies. And there's times where I go weekly. There's sometimes where I go once a month. And then right now I'm on a rhythm where I go every two weeks. And I've been seeing the same counselor now, gosh, for over two years. And man, that principle of consistency compounds, it really plays out in the realm of counseling. I will tell you, like our first sessions were good, but man, our sessions now that we've got two years of context built up, it's invaluable, right? It's so powerful and so helpful. But here's the lie that for a long time blocked me from counseling and that often blocks others from counseling. I have to be in crisis to have or need a counselor. And that is just so absurdly not true. You do not have to be in crisis to have a counselor. Here's what's true. Counseling is probably the best way to prevent a self-imposed crisis. Here's the deal. Right now in my life, I would not say I'm in crisis stage. Like nothing is like flashing red lights. Everything's falling apart. I'm heading to the ditch with a bottle of Jack Daniels and I'm 
approaching rock bottom, right? It's like, that's not happening in my life. Praise God for that. And I'm very grateful for that, right? And I'm very blessed in that way. But how do I prevent from ever getting there? Well, one of the things that I do is I see a counselor because I want to have someone that I literally pay to help me process the things that are uncomfortable for me to talk about. And that's how I view counseling, is this is the person that I pay that is a trained professional in helping me process the things that given the option, I would rather avoid. And man, it's just so powerful. So a couple things on this. Number one, we we did an episode, it was, gosh, probably over a year ago now on maximizing counseling that I would go and listen to if this is the tactic that you're going to apply yourself to. Um, And then also, I'm really excited about it. We're actually scheduling a podcast right now with my counselor where we're going to talk about some of the things that you can do to really make the most of a counseling relationship. And then also some of the things that he has helped me with that have just been absolutely so powerful. And I see them show up for other entrepreneurs and other leaders all the time. But here's the other thing that I would highlight as it relates to counseling that really applies to this topic of relationships. My friendships, and certainly the person that I'm dating or the person that you're married to, and certainly my family, they do not exist in my life strictly to help me verbally process everything that's on my mind. That is not the relationship that I want to have with the people that are closest to me, where literally their experience of me is that they are my verbal sounding board every time we talk. But here's what I know to be true. I really need a verbal sounding board. I am a verbal processor. And I've found that most leaders are, right? That that they think better whenever they have the opportunity to talk it out with someone and go back and forth and get feedback from someone on how they're thinking about things. And oftentimes they just need to hear themselves say what they're thinking in the presence of another person and they end up counseling themselves. (laughs) That happens to me a lot. It's like, I mean, I end up having all the answers that I need to give myself in the session. I just kind of start shutting down all the lies that I'm telling myself, but I would never get there if I didn't have the opportunity to verbally process in the presence of another person. And so that's why this applies to this topic of relationships is because I have this right now bi-weekly rhythm with my counselor, my other relationships are healthier because I'm not showing up strictly as a consumer that I need them to be my verbal sounding board for, right? I'm able to show up and I'm able to ask them questions. I'm able to engage with them. I'm able to invest in them. I'm able to listen effectively and not just think about all the things that I want or need to talk about. Meet consistently with a counselor. Okay, let's go to number three. Number three is pray before meals. Now, what I will tell you is that if you are eating regularly with other people, this can really set the tone for a life-giving, healthy, authentic conversation, which we're going to talk about more within another tactic. And so that can be a really great reason to pray before meals. This is something that I really try to do regardless of who I'm sitting down with and regardless of whether or not I'm in a restaurant, is that we just take just a minute and just pray before the meal 
because what does that do? It starts the meal with gratitude, it centers us on things that matter, and it sets apart this time as time that is an opportunity to connect with each other on things that aren't just what we saw in the news that day or what the weather is outside or what the Astros did last night, but we're also, in addition to those things, going to talk about things that are real. And so in many ways, it sets the tone relationally for the meal. But it's also just really neat if you think about the science of habits, because the science of habits say that sustainable habits are created in the presence of a cue and a habit and a reward. So the cue is something that you're already doing. And one of the things that I realized is I'm always sitting down for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Always, right? And and sometimes it's with other people. Sometimes it's by myself. Sometimes it's at work. Sometimes it's at a restaurant. Sometimes it's in my apartment. Sometimes it's at a friend's house. But I'm always sitting down for meals. That's a cue, right? Because a cue is the immovable thing that's already happening. And if you want to create a sustainable habit, you should always anchor it in a cue. Then the habit is the routine that you want to instill that you attach to the cue. So the habit is... I'm going to say a quick prayer, and it's a quick prayer of gratitude. I mean, typically for me, it's God, thank you so much for the things that have happened today, and I'll list them specifically. I like to thank him for the person that's sitting across from me. If I am with a person, I like to speak about anything else that's on my heart or on my mind. I sometimes ask for wisdom, pray for the food to be blessed, and then we eat. Reward, we eat, right? And so the fundamental structures for building a sustainable habit are already in place. And all you have to introduce is the habit that we sit down for a meal. At the beginning of the meal, we say a prayer that recenters us, reorganizes us, rededicates our heart to the things that we say matter most. And then reward is that we get to eat. But also let's talk about this relationship. What's your relationship like with your heavenly father? right? What's your relationship like with your creator? Now, I know not all of you believe what I believe, and that's fine, but I believe that we have this God that is accessible, that wants and desires to commune with me. And I do that every single morning, but too often there have been seasons and stages of my life where the only time I talk to God is in the morning. And sometimes I'll even go throughout the day and I'll be like, oh man, I should talk to God about that tomorrow morning. It's like, what? That's not how this thing works, dude. It's like God is available. He's accessible right now. And if you believe he's the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient creator of the universe and you can access him right now, why would you not do that? And so I'm personally trying to be someone that's better of just literally going to God to prayer in the moment that I recognize that it's necessary, but I'm not fully there yet. And so therefore, one of the habits that is in place to help make sure that I prioritize prayer, not just in the morning, but throughout the day is intentionally in a heartfelt way, pray before meals. This is a tactic that I believe will improve your relationships, your relationship with the God of the universe, but also your relationship with other people. Okay, let's jump to the final two. This next one is related to meals, but it's also related to meetings that you have. Keep your phone off the table. I read something, it was years ago now, that said that there's evidence that people will be more reserved with what information they share and the way that they share it if you put your phone on the table during a meeting. And that just makes sense to me because if I put my phone on the table, what am I actually communicating to the person sitting across from me? I could leave at any time. 
And that puts them in an incredibly vulnerable position if they're going to share anything meaningful and worthwhile. Because the opportunity to be distracted is always there. Now, I hope it goes without saying, but if you want to have good relationships, never, never, never have a conversation with someone and look at your phone at the same time. That is just awful, right? So, so just, I mean, if you're doing that, cut that out now. And I'm not even going to tell you, oh, wait and find the tactic that you should apply. You should apply that, right? Do not try and look at your phone and have a conversation with someone at the same time because that just... It's not good. You're, you are devaluing that person. You are way overextending yourself in terms of what you think you can pridefully accomplish. And you're being an awful listener. Um, and so just don't do that, right? You can tell someone, hey, can you give me just a second? I got to send this one message and then we can have a conversation. But don't try and do both. It's just no good. But then the piece that we're talking about that's even a further extension of this is keep your phone off the table because you got to think about what your phone is communicating if you set it on the table. And so what I try to do, and it really helps, is I either put my phone in my pocket or I rather put my phone in my backpack. Now, here's what I find I have to do if I do that. I often have to set an alarm for myself before a meeting starts to make sure that I don't just run off the rails because, I mean, I'm a people person, right? I, I, I love people. And I can get so immersed and engaged in a conversation, especially if it's in person, that, man, it just, like, I will not even realize that 90 minutes flew by. And maybe I, I had a meeting that was supposed to start 30 minutes ago, and I just didn't even realize. I thought we were 30 minutes in this meeting, and we're on minute 90 because the conversation was so engrossing. Have you ever been there? And, and so uh, some of you that listen to this podcast, I've had that happen with you. And so what I often have to do for myself is if I know I have a hard stop, I, I just tell the person beforehand, and then I just set an alarm to say, I don't want to keep my phone on the table, so I'm just going to set this alarm real quick. I'm going to put this in my backpack and then we can fully engage. But the biggest thing here is just, I mean, keep your phone off the table and minimize phone usage whenever you're in an in-person context with people, period. And this really applies to whenever you're going over to people's houses for dinner or whenever you're spending time with your friends. If you're going to spend time with your friends or if you're going to spend time with your spouse or if you're going to spend time with your kids, I mean, I don't have a spouse or and I don't have kids right now, but I hear that one of the best things you can do is if you're going to spend time with them, spend time with them. And that word spend is really important. It costs you something. It It's going to sacrifice some of the messages that you could respond to instantly to be able to do this. And you're just making a bet that it's worth it. And I would tell you all of my experience would suggest that it is. Okay. So we've gone through four. We said that we're going to establish relational rhythms. We're going to meet consistently with a counselor. We're going to pray before meals. We're going to keep our phone off the table. And then finally, number five is ask questions that prompt real conversation. Here's what I know to be true. Given the option, most people will talk about things that are not related or relevant to them. So they will talk about things that are external. This is conversations about the weather. This is conversations about politics. This is conversations about things that we read. This is conversations about movies and TV shows. This is conversations about other people. This is conversations about the church. Given the option, and I am one of these people, people would rather talk about those things because those are things that are external. And we like to avoid the things that are closer to us because why? Well, that feels radically more vulnerable. But then 
we often find ourselves complaining that, man, all of my relationships feel shallow and I just don't have any real connection with people. And it's because, well, anytime you spend time with people, all we're talking about is the weather and the Astros and politics. And we never actually connected with each other at all because we connected with those things that were out there that aren't actually directly related to us. And so what do you have to do? Well, if you want relationships that have depth and meaning and substance and that aren't shallow, you have to take the lead because relationships of depth and meaning and substance are not normal. And so this is going to feel really uncomfortable for a lot of people to ask questions that prompt real conversation. And what this looks like is ask questions where people talk about themselves. And some people won't want to do this. Some people will think that this is weird. And what that's a clue for you on is just if this is something that you feel called to that you want, then if people really don't like that type of conversation that is real and meaningful and substantial, then that's just probably a great sign that those aren't your people or that they're not there yet. And, and that's totally fine, right? But but make sure you have these conversations with someone and, and you can take the lead on it. But ask great questions. I'm the nerd that whenever I get together with uh, my group of guys that I meet with on Thursdays, and and we actually all do this, it's a really incredible group of men, um, or with a group of friends at a game night or something like that, or, or if I'm having dinner with people that I haven't seen in a while, I'm the person that will literally say, okay, I want to pose a round robin question for the table. And I'll ask a question that everyone is going to go around the table and answer. And at first it feels really weird. It's like, oh boy, this feels like a meeting all of a sudden. And people are like, oh gosh. But then like we get two people in and everyone is so enjoying it. And now I have, I don't even have to do this anymore because other friends come with the round robin questions. It's great, right? And, and so I will tell you, it will feel weird, but just because it's weird doesn't mean it's wrong, right? And let's be very clear, what's normal? Shallow, insignificant, unreal, inauthentic relationships. And so, yes, conversations that drive to a sense of genuine, authentic, real conversation are going to feel weird at first. But be the person that prompts conversations that are real by asking great questions. Let me give you a couple that I like to use. This is one that we use all the time within the Path for Growth community, and it's one that everyone can answer. What's one highlighter win from the past week? right? And people love to answer this question. It helps them reflect on their week, which is really powerful. They can't talk about it without smiling. And it gives you the opportunity to encourage that person. So what's one highlighter win from the last week? What's something you're learning right now? This is one that we ask in team meetings a lot. And it's just so powerful to hear what our team says about this. And you have to reveal a little bit about yourself to respond to that question, which is really healthy and really good and really necessary. Where are you growing right now? Or where are you being challenged to grow right now? What are you most excited about right now? What's a challenge that you're currently facing and what's the opportunity that you see in it? These are all questions that I have asked that have led to real, substantial, meaningful, authentic conversation. But here's what I wanna challenge you on. If you want those types of relationships, you probably are going to need to be the leader in creating them especially if you are someone that operates in a leadership position, because if you operate in a leadership position, maybe you've heard this before, you intimidate people. 
And that's not because of anything you're doing wrong. That just is. That's just part of the gig, right? People get a little bit worried whenever a person with the title of founder or CEO walks around, especially around the office. But I will tell you, it extends beyond the office. And so how do you start to break down some of those barriers? Well, you get to take the lead on asking questions about things that are real and then proving to them like, hey, we can talk about things that are real. And I'm actually not that intimidating because you shared what you're challenged by and I also shared what I'm challenged by and I'm also learning and I'm also growing and I'm also giddy about this highlighter win or I also have things that I get excited about. And so not only are you asking them to share a little bit more of themselves, you're in some ways going first and you're sharing a little bit more of yourself. But I'm going to challenge you, if you want these types of conversations, you've got to take the lead. And the way you take the lead is you have the guts to feel a little weird and ask the question. Okay, so we said that if you want to put your business in order, you have to start by putting yourself in order. Last time we focused on sleep, today we focused on relationships. And we dove into five tactics. And I want to remind you, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on which one of these tactics would represent a kingpin tactic that if you were to do it, all the other ones would become either easier or unnecessary. Number one, establish relational rhythms for the people that matter most. Number two, meet consistently with a counselor. Pray before your meals. Keep your phone off the table and ask questions that prompt real conversation. Y'all, I hope that you take action on this and I hope that this was helpful. If you want more content like it, you can make sure to do two things. Number one, we send out written content every single week. It's the favorite thing that I write every single week right now. It's called Worth It Wednesday. We send a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking. It takes about two to three minutes to read and then we also send a video where I elaborate on the principle for that week. If you want to get on that email list, there's already so many of you that are on that email list, which is just awesome. You can sign up at pathforgrowth.com or at the link that's in the show notes of this episode. And then the other thing that you can do is you can subscribe to this podcast. This episode was part of a series focused on tactics for entrepreneurial sanity. And the next one that we're going to be releasing in this series on tactics specifically for your time. And so I want to make sure you get that content and get that episode. And the best way to make sure you get it is to be subscribed to the podcast. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.